opportunity. And the way that we use that opportunity, he gives up to us. I want to uh, finish up the last part of the spiritual blessing series that we've been in on for all the last six, seven weeks. And I know I do a quick review of it, but I want to review because this is such a powerful teaching. The reason why spiritual blessings are so important is that we are spirit beings. You may not feel like a spirit being. You may feel more like a physical being, especially if your body is aching or tired or cranky or whatever it is. But in essence, the way God sees you is he sees you as a spirit being, an eternal being. See, our days on this earth are limited. I mean, even if you do all the self-help and eat granola and yogurt for the rest of your life, you're still going to expire. This body is going to give out. You know why this body's going to give out? Is because it's a temporary place. It's a tent compared to what God has planned for us. Now some of you have nice tents, some of you have messy tents, some of you have bigger tents than others. We're just tents, okay? Spirit beings, that's what's inside of us. That's what we need to be feeding Can I get an amen on that one? Our spirit is what's going to carry you through. One of the points that we had talked about is that we are, because of the spiritual blessings that we have received, and we've been in Ephesians 1 this whole time, just reading through a passage from uh, verses 7 through all the way through 14, the reason why we're spirit beings, we make our decisions from our spirit. If our spirit is strong, we make good godly decisions. If our spirit is weak, we make more fleshly decisions. More just what everybody else is doing. What's the trend right now? You know, sometimes you talk to people and you say, why did you get involved? All of my friends were doing this. It's amazing how influenced we are by the people we surround ourselves with. So when our spirit is strong, regardless of what's happening around us. Even today, I got a testimony from one of y'all that just said, you know what, even though this has been a difficult time, my faith is still strong. Why is your faith strong? Because you're feeding off the word of God, you're worshiping, and no matter what's happening around you, your spirit is strong. That's what God wants in our relationship. We looked at being holy and blameless as one of the spiritual blessings. That Jesus Christ died on a cross and forgave us and our past has been forgiven. Satan can no longer come in and remind you of your past. He cannot go before the Heavenly Father and say, look at what this person has done. Christ looks and God looks and says, I don't see anything. Because we were forgiven. Even though we didn't deserve it, we were forgiven. Our past was made clean. Do you remember the big red sheet that I put over this? And I said, okay, this represents the blood of Jesus over my life. And Satan can't come in under this sheet and come get me. He can lure me out from underneath that blood. But he cannot come in and get you. See, when he sees the blood of Christ around you, he realizes that he is harmless. Now, he'll roar like he's a lion, but he's really harmless. Holy and blameless. We also looked in this passage about predestination adoption. That God knew before he created the worlds that we were going to need a savior. He knew that if he gave us free will, (laughs) we're going to make some bad choices. You know, the men, when we went through that long series for the men's uh, call to manhood, one of the things that I remember from that I'll never forget He taught us, confuse men, 
make confused decisions. And I, that's applicable men, women, child, adult, senior citizen. Those who are going through a time of confusion make confused decisions. Whenever God gave us free will, he knew that we would make some bad decisions. But aren't we thankful that he had a plan by sending his son that said, no matter what bad decisions you make, there's forgiveness, there's mercy, there's grace. Regardless of what you have done, regardless of who you are, the blood of Christ is available to you. We looked at redemption, that we were bought with a price. We looked at wisdom and understanding and how God said, just call out to me and I will give you wisdom and understanding. It is available for us as born-again believers. We also looked at the mystery revealed, the word of God. There's times when you're reading the Bible and it may just seem really flat, just nothing. But if you start reading and just say, God, would you reveal this word to me? You may have read a passage, you say, Mark, I've read this passage so many times I basically could tell you what it means. Read it one more time, but before, pray, God, would you, would you reveal your word to me? And all of a sudden, something jumps out. I never, I never realized that one passage. Or you start looking up some other versions, or you're looking up the past tense, or who, who the writer was writing to at that time. All of a sudden, the word becomes alive. It becomes rhema word because it's jumping in your spirit. You see, a non-believer can read the word of God and get nothing out of it at all. This should be a love letter to us. Man, when you read a love letter from somebody you love, man, you savor every word. Now, it's a text, you know, heart tag, flash tag, this and this, and smiley face. I don't know if it's the same, but see, man, we were old school. I wrote her love letters. And man, she kept, she, in fact, I want you to know, she kept every card I've ever sent her. Yep. Happy Columbus Day. Love, Mark. You know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the reason why she holds on to that is because she loves me. And when we love God, we get into his word and said, God, even though everything around me is stale right now, would you make this word fresh into my heart? And all of a sudden, that word will become alive to you. Last week, we looked at the inheritance that we have. The inheritance of heaven. And how whenever you think of heaven, we think of gold streets and mansions. That is nothing compared to the glory of heaven. It's kind of like we have such a limited mindset of what we're thinking. We're thinking of concrete and buildings up there. That's really what the streets of, gold or the streets of heaven are made of. Could you imagine somebody getting excited saying... Angel, come on out. I got to take you out to Park Row. Look at this beautiful concrete. Look at the curbing on this. Isn't this just beautiful? Angel will be like, yeah, that's really special, Mark. And that's what, man, you know, we got streets made of gold. And God's like, yeah, we got that stuff up here. But there is so much more. No, I want to talk about the streets of gold and mansions. I got a mansion up there. He's like, yeah, but you know what? When you get in my presence, you're probably not going to hang out at home. What do you think, huh? Do you think you want to avoid the presence of God in his Shekinah glory and sit in your house and say, this is heaven? No, I think we're going to be on our knees worshiping Amen. and just realizing the awesomeness of God. Amen. But what do we think about? Streets of gold and mansions. Right. Let's get into this, today's passage. Today is probably one of the most important messages of all the spiritual blessings. 
we're going into verses 13 and 14, and this is from Ephesians 1. And it says, As you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. The marking of a coin. Remember how a coin represents the United States or the United Kingdom. Wherever it goes, that marking on that represents the authority of those behind it. So we've been marked in a seal with the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Praise God. Now, if you're taking notes, I've got three simple points today. And number one is the deposit. A deposit has been given, a guarantee by God that he is going to fulfill his will. It's a down payment in us. If you look this up and start studying that verse, verse 14 of Ephesians 1, it talks about how we are a down payment of God. The Holy Spirit is a down payment of the greater things of God's glory coming into us. We all know what down payments are. If, you've, if you have to buy a car or you're buying a home or you're, you're buying some furniture, you go in and you put a down payment on that. And that down payment is basically saying, I'm giving you a part of this now, but I'm making a promise to complete it, right? It doesn't make sense for us to go and put a down payment and then never come back to that issue. That's throwing away money, right? So when we make a down payment, we've made a decision, and it is a promise of things that are to come from us. It's a commitment from us to them that we will complete that. We're investing a portion now, and we're going to fulfill it. See, God has invested in us the Holy Spirit now, but the greater things of his presence and glory are awaiting us. This is to get us through this world. The Holy Spirit gets you through this world. Salvation gets you into heaven. But the Holy Spirit in you helps you to strengthen, to walk in wisdom, to make right decisions, to pursue peace, to understand forgiveness. He is our comforter. He is our protector. He, he guides and directs and leads us. This talks about the Holy Spirit being our comforter. In John 14, 26, the Word of God says, But the comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in, by my name, in, in my name, he will teach you all things. He will bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said to you. Now that is comforting. Because I'll tell you what, there's a lot of times I forget things. I'll, if I don't spend time in the word, I forget some of God's promises. If I get pulled away, into, you can get distracted to a point where you truly forget the awesomeness of God. There are seasons that you may go through a dry time where you don't feel God's presence. It's because you've gotten out of his word. You've gotten out of worship time. You've gotten out of your prayer time. Just spending time with him. And prayer time does not mean that you have to dedicate three hours and sit in the smallest closet you can find. Prayer time can be in your car. Prayer time can be while you're standing in line. Prayer time can be anywhere, especially if you're taking a test. Especially if you're going into your employers for an evaluation. We all believe in prayer time then. But what about the moments that you're just sitting there? Bored. Now I pull out this and I'm starting to do this. I'm eating a taco. Smiley face. Why don't we pray to God? Say, God, just 
thank you for this taco. Bless it, please, because I don't know, for 99 cents, I don't know how good it's going to do me, but would you really bless this taco? Why don't we talk to God instead of social networking, huh? There's just a radical idea. To start spending as much time praying as you do texting, or Facebooking, or Instagramming, or Vining, or whatever's coming next, spending that time. It's the promise that someday that we will be with Jesus. That's the promise, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.11 says, And if the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead, he will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit which lives in you. A couple weeks ago, I could have, and I've known this scripture forever. In fact, one of the other verses, he who, uh, it will quicken your mortal body. And God started showing me, you know what? There's a healing verse right for you. There's your healing verse, Mark. Because if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then guess what? That same spirit can quicken, conquer any disease that's in your body. Amen. Really? Is that, is that, because if it says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, then the cold or the flu or arthritis or cancer, anything, is subject to that spirit. Amen. That spirit can conquer that. The name of Jesus is powerful. Spending time in the word. Point number two, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to tell you that as you read through the book of Acts, there's a lot of verbs. I said verbs, not verb. Verbs in the book of Acts. Fill. Baptized, received, poured out upon. Show me, Pastor Mark. Good, I'm glad you asked. Acts 2, 4, and says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 2, 4. So they were filled in the upper room. Acts 11, verses 15 and 16. And as I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them. There's another verb, fell on them, just as he fell on us at the beginning. And then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, 45, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been, what's the next word, poured out on the Gentiles too. If you go into... Acts chapter 8, there's a real interesting story where Philip is going to Samaria. And they're laying hands on people, and the people are receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Simon, who was a sorcerer who had become a believer, said this in Acts 8, 17 and 19. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers... And they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. Verse 19 says, Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. Now, you remember how I tell you when you're reading, would you put yourself in this passage, what did Simon see that was so amazing 
that he offered money to be able to buy that. There had to be something, okay? Angel, teach me how to sit there like that. That would be amazing. No one ever comes and says, just teach me to do something you're already doing. He saw something very special about this, and he offered money. Now, it doesn't say what he saw, but it does show us that there is so much more than just average Christianity. Yes, you can be saved. Yes, you can go to heaven. But there is more of God. And who doesn't want more of God? If you're truly in love with God, you want more of them. When you are dating or when you're first newly married, you want to spend all your time with that person. So if we love God and we realize that there is so much more, why are we not hungering for it? Why are we not thirsting for it? Why are we not seeking God for it? See, Jesus was proclaimed to be the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 3.11, this is what John the Baptist is sharing. John the Baptist says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be a slave or to carry his sandals, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Uh-huh. Hmm. Luke eleven thirteen. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who, what's the verb there? Ask. Now, you receive the Holy Spirit in salvation, but why do you have to ask for more? Because there is more. There is more through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not automatic salvation. Salvation, Holy Spirit comes. But the baptism is something that we seek. Something we pursue. We're going to go into this in a minute here. But I want to tell you, I was raised in the 70s. And I was raised in a spirit-filled church. And back then, people would spend all night long in prayer services searching for the Holy Spirit. And God revealed to me That it wasn't through our works and our acts. It was just asking and seeking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Asking and seeking for so much more of God. Asking and seeking for so much more of the Spirit. But we sometimes tend to contain God in a box that we're comfortable with. This is is my God box. And I'm really comfortable with this size. If it got any bigger, I'd have to get a bigger car. And I don't want to get a bigger car. So I keep God in my God box. See, I don't want a God box. I, I, I want to I be so much in God that God is everything to me. You see, I want to get in. If there's going to be anything in a box, it has to be Mark in a box. The more of me that's in that box, the less there is of me to respond to flesh. You understand? Every day we have an opportunity to respond to people. And we can either respond in love, grace, and mercy, or we can respond in hatred, bitterness, anger, just grouchiness. Have you ever said something and you realize, that's not me? I was just so frustrated at the time. That was your flesh speaking out, not your spirit. So that when something's happening and you're just responded, And then you think, I shouldn't have done that. 
I know, I mean, I am old enough now, I know I shouldn't have done that. I can send an email and think, shouldn't have sent that. Have you ever sent one and then realized you made a typo in it? Have you ever done that? And you think, oh, what I would give to get that back? Especially if it's a pretty important person in your life. You know, what's interesting now is when you text, I, I do the swiping, and it makes my words for me. But you know what? <laughs> Instead of one time I went to type hello, I just wrote hell. So it was like, hell, Sherry. <laughs> That's not the way your pastor should respond to you. But once I send it, it's gone, okay? And she's going to think, well, that's an interesting greeting. But it was a very small mistake. How many times do we make mistakes in our flesh that we wish we could take those words back? We wish we could have taken that, that phone call, that conversation. We knew that we were in a bad mood that evening. We had a headache and we still agreed to go and do that knowing that there was going to be drama. We kind of knew all the situations, but we went in there. We go into situations. We take the Holy Spirit into those situations. Maybe we ought to take a little time out and just refresh ourselves in God's presence. Say, Lord, this day has been a horrible day, but it is the day that you have made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I thank you that you can speak joy into this spirit. You can speak peace into my heart. I bind this headache right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you walk before me. You go before me. Favor goes before me. And Father, I thank you that whatever circumstance I'm going to walk into in this next hour, that you would give me your peace, your wisdom, your understanding. Spirit, would you flow through me so that I can bring the joy of God into every person I meet? What would that prayer do for your day? What would that prayer do for that situation? How many of our past mistakes could have never been created if we would have prayed to bring God and Holy Spirit in that situation right there? An encounter with the Holy Spirit is to be received. Point number three is praying in the Spirit. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this, At the same time, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Wow. I could just do a whole message on that one sentence. Because yeah. how many of us don't experience weakness? How many of us are super Christians in there? How many of us just discipled Billy Graham and he texts you every day say, Ow, what did you learn new today? Well, Billy, I'm just going to tell you this. How many of us, huh? Is anybody in the house just a super Christian? You got that little suit right underneath. It's got the little C for Christian man or Christian woman. We all deal with weakness. So it says, at the same time, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray for what we need. I'm, I'm going to go through this passage a little slower because I don't want to rush through this. Sometimes we don't know how to pray for what we need. Sometimes our prayers don't align in with what God wants to do in our life. When you're praying, God, would you just have a, a combustion of my manager so that he would just disappear? That was not God's plan. And that's not what he wanted you to pray. Maybe God put you under that manager or that professor or that neighbor so that you could be praying for them and not against them. You've always got to remember, the word says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, rulers of darkness. It is not that person that's attacking you. It is a spirit of darkness through that person that's attacking you. 
And if we start praying against them and just say, Father, I just thank you for giving me favor with that employer. Thank you for giving me favor with that professor. I thank you that my neighbors are going to love me. They're going to mow my yard for me. They love me so much. And you'd say, no, you don't know my neighbors. I'll say, you don't know my God. Let's go. But the Spirit intercedes along with our groans that cannot be expressed in words. The one who searches our hearts knows what the Spirit has in mind. The Spirit intercedes for God's people in the way that God wants him to. Wow. Okay, now we're dealing not in the flesh, we're dealing in the Spirit. So our prayer, see, a lot of times when we pray, we still pray. I'm not, not going to make eye contact here. Sometimes we pray in the flesh. God, give me a good parking space. God, I want this. God, I want that. God, I want this. But when you start praying in the Spirit, you're praying God's will and not your individual needs. Do you understand this? Some of us have spent our whole life praying in the flesh. I want this. I want this. I want this. And God still loves us. And sometimes he gives us those things knowing that they're not going to be good for us. But when we start praying in the Spirit, we're now praying God's will. We're becoming more of an incredible vessel in this world. It says that the one who searches our hearts knows what the Spirit has in mind. And the Spirit intercedes for God's people in the way that he wants them to. So praying in the Spirit or speaking in tongues, whatever you want to call it, is the same thing. According to Acts 2.4, all the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Who is Acts 2.4 referring to? All, if you go back to Acts, 14 verses, Acts 1 verses 13 and 14, and there's not a scripture on this, Austin, but Acts 1.13 talks about all the disciples that were in the upper room. Acts 1.14 talks about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and some other women were in the upper room. Then you go to chapter 2, and it says, and all of those that were in the upper room received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not the smartest man you're ever going to meet, but if I know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is in the upper room, all the people that were in the upper room received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, spoke with other tongues as tongues of fire, then I would assume that Mary received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I share that with my, part of my Catholic family, that freaks them out. Think about this. Acts 1.14 says Mary was in the upper room. Acts 2.4 said all of them received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Let them convince me that she's not in that upper room. Just something to think about. They were speaking in other tongues, one, tongues that they did not know. 1 Corinthians 14.2.4 says when a person speaks in another language, he doesn't speak to people but to God. No one understands him. His spirit is speaking mysteries. Verse 3, but when a person speaks what God has revealed, he speaks to people to help them grow, to encourage them, and to comfort them. There's the word comfort. When a person speaks in another language, he helps himself grow. But when a person speaks what God has revealed, he helps the church grow. That's 
right. I looked at this passage. Type in this in Google. Church attendance statistics for 2013. Because this says that when we are spending time in the Spirit and praying and speaking in tongues, it helps us grow and it helps the church grow. Well, we know that the church is the body of Christ. It's not the building. It's us, the people, right? So if this is happening, then church attendance should be expanding in our world today. And in reality, it's decreasing. In fact, one of the latest statistics is showing out that less than 20% of U.S. Americans attend church regularly. Less than 20%. I was shocked at that statistic. Regularly attending church. Verse 2 is talking about when a person, with the passage we just read, when a person is speaking in another language, he does not speak to people but to God. Verse 3 is contrasting this. It says, but to the person who is prophesying, it said he's speaking to men. There is a prayer language when you are praying to God, and there is a prayer language that can be shared to men and women in the church. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, If I pray in another language, my spirit prays, but my mind is not productive. What it is, is it's not praying your flesh. It's praying your spirit. You see, we all can pray our flesh. Flesh is very easy. If we're in a good mood, our, our prayers are real happy. If we're in a kind of a mellow mood, it's gone. Man, I just love spending time with you. Wow. If you've had a lot of Mountain Dew, your prayers are a little quicker. God, I just want to thank you for everything you've done. <laughs> Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull, you know? And he still understands. But it's all based on our flesh. When we start praying in the Spirit, we're not praying our will, we're praying God's will. And guess what? That freaks people out because they can't control it. And pastor, if I can't control it, I'm not going to do it. And you don't have to. But there is power in this. There is power to help you grow. We have a deep part of us. I pray that all of us have a longing somewhere deep inside of us that wants so much more of God than we've ever experienced before. I know you're busy. I know you're tired. You may be sad. You may be depressed. You may be joyous. But there is something inside of us always wanting more of God. More of God. More of his presence. More of his manifestations. So much more. I feel like we have so little of God's presence in our lives today. I read about some of, the, the, of our histories. Azusa Street. Smith Wigglesworth. You start reading about these things and you realize that it's like we're running on fumes. And they were running on high octane. And I'm like, God, I want that. I want that so much more. I don't care what people think about me. I want so much more of you, God. I don't care what my neighbors think. I just want to please you. See, when we become more concerned about being people pleasers than God pleasers, we've got our priorities upside down. Oh, but you know, no one else does that anymore, Pastor Mark. And look at where we are as a society. Look at where we are as the church. 
We have generations now that have turned their backs on Christ because they have not seen anything different in our lives than what they're seeing out there in the world. And at least in the world, they could do drugs and forget about it for a little while. I'll tell you what, the presence of God is more powerful than any drug you will ever take. The presence of God, when you truly get in the presence of God, I'm not talking about the the, uh, 14.2 minutes that we do during worship. I'm talking when you just get completely alone with God and say, God, you know what? I'm not going to leave this room until I experience you. Amen. Wow, that's pretty radical, Mark. Try it. Say, God, I'm going to go into this room and I'm not going to leave until I experience so much more of you. I am so tired of what this world has to offer. And I want so much more of you. We all have a longing. We all have a longing for so much more. What are we missing out? I don't want to get to heaven and realize that I could have so much more. Amen. Have you ever just thought about that? I mean, and I know there's no crying in heaven. But to realize that I lived my life on saltine crackers when there was a whole buffet meal out there. Wouldn't that be just a little depressing to you? It's like, you mean I could have had all of this and I ate saltine crackers for for 80, 90 plus years? (coughs) When we refuse what the Spirit of God is offering to us, we're refusing some of the growth that He promises us. Jude 20 tells us this. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the... Building yourself up and praying in the Holy Spirit is in one sentence here. Read the whole... Jude's real short. Read the whole thing, okay? There's, There's not a twisting of this. It's saying that praying in the Holy Spirit is building yourself up. Do we want to build ourselves up or do we want to tear ourselves down? Let me tell you, there are a lot of people in this world that are ready to tear you down. They're ready to tear you down in your workplace, in your school, if you're in a sport, whatever it is, they're ready to tear you down. People that you think are your friends are tearing you down right now. And God wants to build you up. God says, hey, come to me when you're hungry and thirsty. I got so much more. And we grab our little saltine off the table and then we run back out. And he's like, man, I have so much more for you. I have so much more for you. A prayer made by our spirit and it's directed by the Holy Spirit is powerful and dynamic and will build you up. I'm going to say that again. A prayer made by our spirit directed by the Holy Spirit is dynamic and powerful. Some of us have not had our spirit create a prayer that was directed by the Holy Spirit where we've experienced that encounter. We've been so happy with just living off saltine crackers, just asking God to help us get through that day. Give us this, God. Give us this. A good parking space would be nice. Please don't let it rain on my birthday. And there's so much more. There's so much more. Paul wished that all the churches at Corinth would speak in tongues. Read uh, chapter, verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I know that he's speaking in the context of prophesying and interpretation. But this is what it says. If it says, however, if he's speaking in tongues to us to be devoided. Here's my point. If Paul is encouraging us, 
if speaking in tongues is false, if it's not for today, then why would Paul encourage this? Why? Why would Paul encourage us? See, when we take the word of God and we pick and choose, we create a customized theology. I like this, I don't like that. I want this, but I don't want that. Who are we to, to customize God's word? Come on. Who are we to customize God's word? I like this part, but I don't like that part. I like this, blessings, but I don't like that suffering with Jesus part. Taking up my cross, mm -mm. I'm not going to crochet that on a pillow. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of bumper stickers out there about crucifying the flesh. If you're I don't think I've ever read one. Right. right? We don't like that part. But there's other parts that we like. There's parts we'll buy a whole CD series on how to become blessed by God in three easy steps. We love that part. But if Paul is encouraging us to do this, why are we being discouraged today? Paul went to affirm this, that it's even something he's thankful for. 1 Corinthians 14, 8, 18, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 14, 18 says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. That seems like a little boastful statement, but let's take a look at this. When was the last time you thanked God for the Holy Spirit in your life? When was the last time you thanked God that you could speak in tongues and pray that spirit? Some of us may be doing some examination right now saying, mm, never. I mean, I'm just being real here, and this is God's word. I'm not, I'm not bringing condemnation on you. I'm, I'm hoping that you get hungry and thirsty for so much more. I am not your judge. Whether you choose to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or not, whether you choose to speak in other tongues or not, that is not my concern. I can guide you. I can lead you. I can teach you. But I can't force you to do it. Speaking in tongues can also be controlled by the one speaking it. 1 Corinthians 14, 27 and 28. Paul tells the believers in Corinth that if there is no one there to interpret it, the speaker must remain silent. Okay? So let's take a look. Also, 1 Corinthians 14, 28. I think I have, there it is. It says, but if there is no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Right. You know what that's saying? Is that your prayer life is very personal to God. Right. And you don't always have to be out giving a word. It can be your prayer life. There are many times I walk into our bedroom and Kristen is there with her journals, her eyes closed, and she's just praying in the Spirit. It's not for me. It's not a word of prophecy for me. It is her Spirit being encouraged. And that's how God allows her to put up with me 24-7. <laughs> you don't realize, see, I work out of the house. I do software sales. We are together. Are we not pretty much together 23 hours, except for the one hour you go to Kroger's each day. We're together 23 hours, seven days a week, and we've been doing this for almost 23 years now. I've lost some of my hair, but she still has all of hers. Why? Because she prays in this. No, never mind. <laughs> Not going to go there. I do want to close with this analogy. April, it was so amazing that you talked about water today. This is this analogy that I had. See, I grew up in Florida, I grew up around water. So across the street was a lake. About an hour away was the bay. We had a pool. But I swam all the time. I learned to swim when I was a very young age. And it's amazing when I meet some people, even grown adults, and they said, 
I can't swim. Have you ever met somebody who, who doesn't know how to swim? You'll see fear in their eyes when they talk about that they don't know how to swim. Especially if you say, hey, Chris, come on, I want you to go swimming with me. And he's like, nah, I think I'm going to pass. All of a sudden, fear just went through his whole body. Because what's the fear if you don't know how to swim? Drowning, right? But you know, there's a lot of people out there swimming. And there's a lot of people on the shore that aren't swimmers yelling at them saying, you can't do that. Physically, you should not be staying afloat right now. Swimming, no, 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 no. It's bad. Come on in, come on in. And you know, in the same scenario, we've got people in the church, within the church saying, oh, this is bad. This is bad. You shouldn't be doing that. And you know what? I just keep on swimming. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. And that's the way I am with the Holy Spirit. You know, people can tell me, oh, that's not for today. I just keep speaking in tongues. I just keep praying in my prayer language. Oh, but that passed away with the disciples. I just keep praying. There will always be people that tell you that you can't swim. There will be people that tell you you can't speak in tongues. But be led of the Spirit. Do it. Just try more of God. And the greatest thing about this is receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Please get this straight. When you are saved, when you ask Christ into your life, you receive the, the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you. But there's more, and that's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mark, how do I get the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's very long, drawn-out, complicated, 18-year program. No, you ask for it. You hunger for it. And I'm not talking about at 11.55 on Sunday morning. God, would you give this to me? Okay, no, sorry. How many of y'all, some of the greatest things that you have in your life is because you pursued it? Amen. Some of you guys, the reason why you're married to such a great gal is because you pursued her, right? Wow, did it get quiet in here or what? <laughs> anything, there was one thing my dad always taught me. And he said, Mark, anything worth pursuing is worth working for. Amen. That's right. That's not a real valuable concept today in today's economy. But that's what I was raised into. And I'll tell you what, if there is more of God, if Paul encouraged more of God, if there is more of his presence... I want that. And you know who else had this? Not only Paul, but there was a church in Corinth. There was those that were in Cornelius' house. There were the 120 people in the upper room and the disciples. And all of these people are swimming. Oh, I mean, speaking in other tongues. Praying in the Spirit. When everyone else is saying, oh, that's, that's bad. That's, no. It's my spirit praying. Amen. One of the things that I was taught at a very young age, praying in the spirit is praying the will of God. I have always taught you that your words are very powerful. You can speak the word of God over a situation. You can bind a situation by your words. Words are so powerful. Look at how God created the, the earth in Genesis, in the universe. He spoke the word. We also look back when Jesus was being tempted and Satan came to do this, do this, as it is written. He was speaking the word. Words are very powerful. Demonic forces can hear your words. Demonic forces can hear your fear. 
oh, I just hope I don't get that what aunt so-and-so got. I just know it's in my bloodline. I know as soon as I hit 50, all of my relatives die. Guess what you're speaking? You're speaking words of death. God says, don't speak words of death. Choose life. So you know what? If you do have concerns, you need to pray with God. Speak in the spirit because Satan and his demonic forces cannot understand that. Sometimes we give Satan a one, two, three blueprint of how to rule in our lives. Well, you know what? If this were to happen and I lost my job and that, I would just curse God and die. <laughs> and I know we don't say that exactly in those words, but sometimes we do. Praying in the Spirit is your spirit speaking to God and God's spirit speaking to you. And it takes the flesh completely out of the element. We need to be less self-absorbed and more spirit-absorbed There's rarely a time where self-absorbed is used in a good way in a sentence. I stopped dating that person because they were too self-absorbed. We're going to have to let you go because your work performance is a little too self-absorbed. That means you're more into you than anything else around you. And there is a hurting, dying world out there that needs what's inside of you. The spirit, the peace, the joy the hope, the love of a spirit-filled life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and what you did on the cross for our sins. I thank you for sending your Holy Spirit in the way that you have with speaking in tongues and all. May we as a church reach out in faith for all that you have. Whatever way your word says that we are to receive it. Open our hearts, Lord God. Open our hearts, Lord. Those who are hungering and thirsting for more of you, may today be that day that they ask for so much more of you. That they ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Show us your ways, Lord. Show us your ways. Give us a hunger and thirst after more of you and less of this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is completing the seven spiritual blessings that we've talked about. We've talked about salvation. We've talked about redemption. We've talked about being adopted into God's family. We've talked about wisdom and understanding. We've talked about how we were sealed, how we have an inheritance, and how the Holy Spirit has been deposited in us as a down payment of about what we're to walk into. So much more of God. So much more of His presence. But it all starts with an experience with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer and we'll dismiss in two minutes. But if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you said, Mark, all of that was a little foreign to me. First steps first. We're all sinners. We're born into sin. Sin is easy. But Jesus Christ came and died on a cross to forgive us of our sins. 
He lived a perfect life. He shed His blood for the atoning of our sins. He paid the price for us. And asking Him into our heart is allowing Him to be our Lord and our Savior. And by asking Him into our heart, we surrender ourselves to Him. We receive the Holy Spirit. But as we learn today, there's more. And that's asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's optional. You can still get to heaven without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you what, the baptism of the Holy Spirit will make this life a lot easier for you. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer for salvation. This is for those who have never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Or maybe for someone who said, you know what, it's been so long ago and I just feel so away from God. Why don't you commit your life anew to Him? Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. If you just ask God into your heart, Jesus Christ is your Savior, you are now what's called born again. I would recommend reading through the book of Romans. I would recommend reading through the book of John. I'd recommend reading through the book of Psalms. These are great starting points for you if you're a brand new believer to Christ. But also you could start asking God right away, would you give me that baptism of the Holy Spirit? Would you show me, Lord, read through the book of Acts this week if you truly want to see what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about. And why would God put that book in his word if it wasn't for us today? See, my Bible says that God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change his mind. And what he intended for the early believers, he intends for you. I'll tell you what, baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, can be one of the greatest evangelistic tools to bring people into the kingdom of God. Showing the power of God at work. If y'all would stand, I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. If you're hungry, for anything that I've talked about today, please come and talk to me. Talk to Kristen, Greg and Sherry. They'll help you. They'll answer your questions. There are several born-again believers in here that can help you. Just ask. That's how it all starts. Asking. According to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Now go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming. God bless you.